Welcome to Starting Small, an anti-racist book chat. This is Carrie, And this is Daphne. We are two friends who have come together over books and coffee more times than I can count. We've been in a book club together for a handful of years, but this one is a little bit different. We focus on books that have been part of our journey through advocacy and anti-racism. Thank you for joining us in the journey to change the world by starting small. Hi, this episode we will be discussing one of the first books that brought us together in the idea that racism is alive and well, and that we as parents can and should do something about it. We read today's book, The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas, with our local book club back in 2018, kind of right around when the movie came out, I think. Um, we'd had some great conversation and even made it a book club outing mm-hmm. to attend the movie all together when it came out. It was kind of fun. It was a lot of fun. I think that was one of the best outside of book club activities that we've done. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> it was a good time. All right. But before we get all the way into the book, Carrie, yeah. what's new with you? So um, my work is phasing us back into the office. And so that is, I'm in there three days a week and it's kind of given me an opportunity to put on podcasts and kind of cruise through them since I don't really have a lot of drive time and I wasn't listening to them as much at home. So I've got a couple of those that I'm listening to. And of course, they're all book podcasts. (laughs) Um, The other thing is I, let's see, I'm reading a new book this week. It's called, If You Want to Make God Laugh by Bianca Maris, Maris. And it's a really interesting book. I'm just going to read you a quick summary of it. Um, It takes place in the 90s in a squatter camp in the outskirts of Johannesburg. A 17-year-old Zodwa lives in desperate poverty under the shadowy threat of civil war and a growing AIDS epidemic. And she's eight months pregnant. She has to be careful because she has secrets that could get her killed if they're exposed. Then it ties in um, a wealthy socialite across the country. Her name is Ruth, um, who's going through a midlife crisis, I guess, if you will. And then um, her her sister, who is a former nun, Delilah, they all have a deep seated past. And I feel like, you know, I'm kind of in the beginning of it, but things are going to be exposed Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, secrets will come out. But I think one thing I'm really liking about this is learning about the culture in Africa because it's in three different parts of the country. Um, or three different, yeah, three different parts of Africa. So I'm really liking that. And I learned about this book from the book talk, etc. podcast. Very nice. How about you? What's going on with you? Oh, not a whole lot. Summer is still summer. So, um, all my kid activities have started to wind down. Thank God. Um, we decided to do like the summer of try everything after last year's summer of do nothing. (laughs) So they're slowing down though. And we're like looking down the, the pike at some family vacations coming up. So going to get out of our house a little bit, but I just finished our book club read for next month. I just finished coming clean by Kimberly Ray Miller. Okay. It is really good. Okay. Um, I haven't started it yet. It's the story of growing up with a hoarder for parent for parents. Ooh. Yeah. So it's intense. Okay. Um, it's still kind of light and funny at times because she's telling her story. So that's kind of awesome. But there were some times I was like, ooh, this is not an enjoyable right. thing to have experienced and kind of read through. But it's it was a really good Okay. Read. I have to get on that one. Yeah. It was good. It's pretty quick. Okay. It's pretty good quick. To know. So I finished that one and now I'm trying to decide if I want to start something new. I'm also 
like trying really hard to plug through the Alexander Hamilton book oh. by Ron Chernow. It's like, you know, 800 pages. Right. That'll be like a check off your bucket list. Book. Right. So it kind of is. So I'm just like plugging along and kind of biding my time. I've got two books set aside for vacation okay. books that I'm like, I'm going to take these and read on the road. So now I just have to decide how I want to fill my time between now right. and then. <laughs> books. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick trip down memory lane and uh, go back to 2018. All right. When we were living life, it was good. Remember 2018? It was, it was, it was a time of it was a time of age for the ages. Right. <laughs> uh, it was pre-pandemic, pre-George Floyd, pre-Kenosha incident. If you're living where we are, but being in the Milwaukee area, for those of us who were reading the hate you give at the time, it wasn't before all of those racially charged protests and incidents right. had been happening. Like we're sort of removed from it because we're not in Milwaukee. Right. But like it definitely impacts us. Um, my husband works downtown and there were a couple of times that he was sent home early because protests were going to be happening or highways were going to be closed for various things. And it was it was weird. Mm -hmm. That was new to me. And we're not in Milwaukee, but we're a stone's throw right. from it. So literally... I mean, downtown Milwaukee is probably 15 minutes from my house. So yeah. we are we are still close to it. Not as close as being right, right down there working in it. Yeah. So we were all still kind of yeah. pretty aware of what was going on there. Right. And I'm sure not everyone in our little book club was prepared for the depth of this book or the discussions that we'd have or even where we are. I mean, from 2018 to 2021, even it's. It feels like a different world to me. It feels like a different lifetime. For sure. Um, one that I have kind of mixed, you know, I'm, I'm, I wish it was like 2018, but at the same time, I feel like I'm really glad that things have become just more exposed now and we're really working through this and trying to figure out how to just make the world a better place. Yeah, for sure. I think this book really was one of the early ones where we had some like pretty deep conversations. Yeah. I mean, we always chat about books, but we also always drink a lot of wine. Right. Um, but I feel like this book really got us like talking and yeah. thinking and I think it got a little uncomfortable sure. for some people. I agree. Do you want to give us the summary? Oh, for sure. Okay. So here's the book jacket synopsis for anyone who may not have read The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. All right, 16-year-old Star Carter moves between two worlds, the poor neighborhood where she lives and the fancy suburban prep school she attends. The uneasy balance between these worlds is shattered when Star witnesses the fatal shooting of her childhood friend Khalil at the hands of a police officer. Facing pressure from all sides of the community, Star must find her voice and decide to stand up for what's right. Carrie, what do you remember about this book? Like, what stood so out to you? It's kind of, I, I really feel like this was the beginning of my eyes kind of opening up. You know, I, I have known my entire life that racism exists. I also grew up in a very tiny rural community in, you know, South Central Wisconsin or at Lamore, right on the Minnesota border. But my parents did a really good job of having us exposed to all different walks of life. And so... Um, shortly before reading this book, you know, I had always wanted to move back home. I had, I didn't like sure. living in the big city. I hated the crime. I hated, you know, not feeling very comfortable in some of the neighborhoods. I, you know, I didn't like that. And at the same time, I have 
a kid, you know, a young child, you know, back at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And I kind of wanted to raise him in what I felt to be, you know, a safer environment, a bubble, a bubble. Yes, exactly. And then, um, shortly before this book came out or that we read it, my husband was involved in a very violent carjacking at a gas station right near our house in Milwaukee County. And that was devastating. That made me want to run for the hills even more. And Brett said from that moment, do not let danger or anyone scare us out of where we live. And I still kind of, you know, in the back of my head, I was always like, we need to move back to my hometown. We need to raise Will in a different area, you know, that sort of thing. And then we read this book. And I think every time I think of this book, a couple of things come to mind. First of all, I was reading it going like, well, yeah, maybe I'm just, I feel jaded now. Mm. Maybe I feel mm-hmm. jaded. This is, you know, the run of the mill for where I am. This is nothing new. Sure. But then a lifelong friend of mine from back home who is, you know, very like-minded as us. And she is a high school teacher as well. I believe she's an English teacher told me that this book was life-changing to her. And then hmm. I read it kind of again. And then I think I went home to visit and the more I got back home, the more I thought, well, like if I move back here, there's zero diversity. Hmm. You know, Will is going to basically go to school with like the kids of people I went to school with, which is not a bad thing at all. But I started to realize where we are. He's learning mm-hmm. outside of school, even like a lot of different cultures. Like he's got, you know, a group of Hispanic friends. He's got a group of African-American friends. They all merge together. And he like hanging out at the other kids' homes has learned a lot about other, about, people. About other people and about, um, you know, yeah, diversity and, you know, and all of that. And so then I kind of changed my thought and I was like, let's get him through school first. He actually should be, you know, I kind of had a revelation. I was like, God really put me where I am for Mm -hmm. a purpose, you know, not to be bringing, you know, religion and all that into it, but it kind of made me feel like, okay, I get it now. (laughs) So, um, you know, as time went on, that was our thought. Well, maybe after he's out of high school, we'll go back then. And then really truthfully this last year, happened. And now I'm like, I am really where I am meant to be. But that book, I always go back to it whenever Mm -hmm. anyone is like, you know, questioning things or trying to, you know, like as a resource, I feel like that book laid the groundwork to opening up my eyes about things. That's super interesting that you mentioned about your friend, Mm -hmm. um, the the English teacher. Um, I experienced a handful of my students having read this book um, and right around the same time that we read it, a bunch of my students, well, they were all in the same mm-hmm. English class, like honors English or whatever, read it and went to the movie as well. And it was really interesting to kind of experience it a second time through their eyes and see like, oh, that's what you guys saw. Because to me, something that really jumped out at me about this book, and probably because I work with teenagers all the time, is just the idea that teenagers are dealing with all of this. Mm -hmm. Like we often as adults think these are adult problems. These are adult things. And they don't, they don't experience it. They don't see it. They don't know, blah, blah, blah. But that's garbage. Mm -hmm. Like quite honestly, that is unfortunate that we kind of discount their opinions. You know, another thing too, along the lines of the kids experiencing all of this, I think that's a really good thing to mention because when I was a teenager, I mean, maybe because I was in my little bubble, I never 
thought about any of this. And I think about some of the kids, Will's age and a little bit older, who are still in high school and are so socially conscious aware and aware and mm-hmm. really doing all they can, even in, you know, my little mm-hmm. town, they're doing all they can to make the world a better place and to bring awareness. And I just think that's fascinating because when I was 16, 17, you know, my main concern was like getting the newest magazine subscription sure. and re- listening to music in my room. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have a care in the world. And so these kids, it truthfully, it is a different world for them, I think. And it's, both disheartening and it's both fascinating, but I'm glad that at a younger age, they're starting to be more aware of this, all of this. For sure. I think the the story here in the Hate You Give centering around teenagers and family really was able, is what allowed, I think, our little book club of middle-aged white women most right. of, for the most part um, to, to connect with this book. Right. Everyone has been a teenager. Yeah. Everyone knows what that feels like. And it was really, I think, meaningful and poignant for mm-hmm. us to kind of get to see that maybe we did leave or lead more simple lives than mm-hmm. many of our, you know, our yeah. teens. Now I look at my students and I regularly think like, Oh yeah. Okay. So some of you, and I might know and I might not know, are dealing with some things that are a lot bigger and scarier than I right. ever had to. Right. And I, you know, it's, it is just, it's very interesting because, I mean, I feel like these issues were around, have been around for a million years. And like, actually, in talking with my dad last year, um, you know, Will had a lot of questions about George Floyd and he saw, unfortunately, the video mm. of him mm. being killed. And um, mm. so we, we got on Hoopla through the library on our Roku. We watched the movie. Um, oh, the, Just Mercy? No, it was oh. a, it was about the, the bus coming up from the south. Oh, the Freedom Riders. The Freedom Riders, yes. Such a compelling movie. And, you know, it was interesting, too. We'd have to, you know, pause it mm-hmm. and have Will had a lot of questions. And then in talking with my dad, I just was kind of heartbreaking because he said, my God, I lived through this. At that point in time, I never thought I'd live through it again. Again. As you know, does. I thought we were on this journey, this battering and, hmm. and it's like, it's like, it's all just kind of blown up now. So, so I still sure. think, yeah. And the issues in this book too, were just, I, it was very, very educational, mm-hmm. very educational. Like, Even for a fiction book. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, a couple of the things were like, we would always say, why would you get out of the hood? You can get mm-hmm. out of there. Come on. You can mm-hmm. you can do things to go to school, better yourselves, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But then when I read this book, they talked about the choice to stay. To stay. And I, I was like, you know, that really makes a lot of sense. And so now when people are kind of screaming about that, it's like, well, but what if we told you to get out of West Dallas, yep. to get out of Sparta, to get out of yep. Stillman Valley? Why would that's right? You're you kind of feel a loyalty. Yeah. And you want to see it. And we saw that play out in the, in the, in heights. the heights. Yes. And so was absolutely. Yeah. Full circle for us. For sure. One final quote, quote that stands out to me and maybe jumpstarted my interest in continuing to learn and grow is from Star's mom. She says, sometimes you can do everything right and things will still go wrong. The key is to never stop doing right. Mm-hmm. To me, this really means like kind of what we're doing here. We're trying to leave the world a little bit better than it was when we entered it, honestly, or just, you know, I, I want to do what is right. I might not have 
I don't have all the answers, but I want to do what I can to improve my world, to improve my, you know, my little town even, you know, to improve, you know, opening people's minds and making people see that this is a very real situation that we're dealing with. And it's going to take everyone working together. And, you know, this whole them versus us needs to, we need to eliminate that. And I, I really appreciated this, that you can do everything and Mm -hmm. it might still go wrong. Right. And I feel like that's kind of where we are right now. Like we're not, we are not experts on any of this. We're starting. We are literally just two people trying to work through a journey yeah. because we don't have all the answers and we're going to seek them out where we can. And we're going to, you know, continue to read from a wide variety of authors, fiction, nonfiction, yeah. people who speak to experiences we don't have. Mm-hmm. And we're not here to, to tell anyone the right way to do anything, right. just kind of invite you along on the journey yep. so that we can make these changes together. That's absolutely. Absolutely. To just do whatever we can. I kind of at a point in my life where I just, I, I have to, I need to do something. I need, um, I need to feel like I, you know, it's almost like helping me work through yeah. things as well. Like I just want to help bring awareness and, and honestly open the door to more people like us. Exactly. exactly. I feel like there are a lot of people who may, may be unsure where to begin. And you know what? Start with a YA book. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> where we were a few years ago. And I think this, honestly, this, like we say all the time, this book laid the groundwork for us to really realize, oh boy, there is stuff going on and to, to really realize like um, we need to change our thought process on some mm-hmm. of this too. And and reevaluate. Yeah, reevaluate and be be open to hearing and accepting what is happening. For sure. Whew. Well, that about sums up our discussion about Angie Thomas's The Hate You Give. I literally just found out today on another um, podcast that I was listening to that there's a prequel to this book. It came Wait, out this year. I had no idea. I had no <laughs> idea that was even in the works. And uh, I'll be getting that one for sure. No, it's called Concrete Rose. Can't wait to read it. Um, it's apparently the story of Star's father growing up as a young black man in the same um, neighborhood in Garden Heights. I foresee a future podcast <laughs> to discuss. There is. Um, but definitely, I would really like to hear what every people, what everyone who's listening to this thought about the book. And if you have not read it yet, you need to. It's very compelling. It's just a wonderful not wonderful in the like hearts and roses and all that, but it is such a good read. Um, So yeah, please, if you have read it or are going to read it, please let us know in the comments. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Catch you next time. At one point um, in the book, Star says, you can say something racist and not be racist, which I think says a lot about the people in the story and also people in general. And I think something that I've come to realize, especially in the past couple of years is, you know, for me growing up in the eighties and again, in, you know, a tiny, a tiny town, a tiny white town, um, we were always taught you don't see color and that makes you not racist because you're welcoming to everyone. And while I still feel like, you know, my parents did such a good job of exposing us to every culture, every, you know, walk of life 
everything. That when I first heard that now you are not supposed no, now you do see color or it makes right, you racist. Right. I kind of had that like at the my initial reaction was, what is that? And literally that night I went home after I had heard that phrase and I thought about it and I was like, you know, honestly, that makes so much sense because right. your color is a part of who you are. Right. A part of who you are is your ancestry, is where you your came history. from, your history, your everything. And if someone doesn't want to see my color or, you know what I mean? Like it does take away from sure. the different cultures that, that sure. we live with. And I think it's now I really do believe it is so important because personally, I really always like to know someone's story. That's yeah. like one way I always kind of connect to people. I love learning about people's past, their history, their, you know, where their parents grew up or where they mm-hmm. came, you know, where mm-hmm. they came from, that sort of thing. I find it all so interesting. And so I think this falls right in line with that. But it also makes so much sense because I never want to take away right. someone's history, right? someone's background, someone's, you know, how they came to be, who they are today. I think so. That is, to me, that's one of the most compelling thoughts I've had over sure. the past couple of years too. The realization, it's kind of been another aha. So yeah. no, I don't know, how about you? I've noticed a lot in our um, like community, social yeah. media stuff lately is people are like, oh, when you talk about race, you're pointing it out and mm-hmm. you're the racist. Yeah. And it's been really, really interesting to, to see people of color say, when you say that, right. you are discounting who I am. Exactly. When you say, I don't see your color, that means you don't see me. And I have been fascinated with watching. I like to people watch on social mm-hmm. media. Like, <laughs> I like to watch them kind of go down yeah. in flames sometimes. Um, sometimes it's warranted. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there have been a lot of people who come back to that and they're like, oh, that's not what I mean. And and the, the person of color who's trying to do, yeah. you know, that educative work is like, but that is what I hear. Right. And so, you know, it is, it may always be well-intentioned, but it's so much more important for us, us, like yes. white people, yes. people who are not experiencing this on the regular to just shut up and listen. And I think that is, that is the bottom line. We <laughs> have got to, we have got to listen. Like we yeah. never as, as white people, you know, we've all had our struggles. No yeah. one is ever going to discredit that. But we as white people do not face the same struggles mm-hmm. that someone of brown color skin, black color skin, we or don't know what that's like. That those struggles are all things that we can overcome exactly. and we can put aside at exactly. a given time. The whole point of you saying, not not you, right. but like but the, the you, yeah. um, saying I don't see your color is saying, oh, you have a hurdle, but I refuse to acknowledge it. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, when they were teaching us that when we were kids, that was kind of how it was. It and was that trying was, to fix the, the yeah, separation. Well, exactly. now we've, we've, crossed, we've that. crossed that. Now we need to fix this. And we do need to see, you know, we do need to recognize the history. We do need to recognize the accurate history. And we do need to recognize, especially currently what is going on, that I can, you know, I can walk down my neighborhood street and I have no no issues. Mm -hmm. But if I were a black person, Mm -hmm. it would you know, people might be like, you know, get a little Mm -hmm. afraid or cross the street, which I know I have a friend who was telling Mm -hmm. us that working down at the Pfizer forum, walking into work one day Hmm. in the middle of the day and a woman 
clutched her purse and walked across the wow. street. And it was just, he, you know, he was like, I was just walking to work. Weird. So those sort of things are. Sure. Yes. It's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. There was another important part in the book. Um, a little bit later, uh, near mm-hmm. the end, actually, where the jury decision comes out about mm-hmm. the police yeah. officer and um, Star's friend Khalil's death. It's made public and kind of the neighborhood just like erupts. Yes. Um, I mean, there's some gang violence involved. There's some protests involved. There's a lot of things going on. And it's it was so interesting to read in 2018 right. because we'd experienced some things like in our lives, like, you know, the, the Rodney, Rodney King, King verdict yes. in 92 yep. was a big deal. I mean, the LA riots. I was a munchkin, but like, I remember that happening. Well, I was not. In, we, watched <laughs> it in, we watched it in school, like yeah. the breaking news. And, you know, I mean, it was definitely like, wow. Yeah. So that one, I mean, it's already a part of my life. I was a single digit kid at the time, you know, and I, I, that imprinted on me at the time. Um, And more recently, you know, Ferguson, um, after the death of Mike Brown, then of course, even more recently, George Floyd Mm -hmm. and all of the things that we've experienced recently. Yeah. Things that we've experienced locally with the Kenosha incident, Um, Jacob Jacob Blake, it was, I mean, things just erupt and like that jumps out to me for two reasons. One, all of that kind of sparked that whole, mm-hmm. the, the movement yes. of Black Lives yeah. Matter and kind of what that means to a community. Mm-hmm. But it also jumps out to me because almost always the conversation after a protest, after some civil unrest is why do they riot? Right. Which why and i think you know i used to i used to question that mm-hmm. myself too and i think um especially when the riots broke out after george floyd everything started out so peacefully and then we're triggered mm-hmm. you know just in such a bad way because here's these people peacefully rioting which is what everyone wants mm-hmm. we needed mm-hmm. to be peaceful right peacefully protesting um, and then you know it, and, and things went south and you know my my response to when when people have said to me why the need for violence is why was George George Floyd killed in such a violent manner? manner in the first why place. was the man in Kenosha shot point blank in the back? Oh, I mean, you see the video of the police officer grab him by the t-shirt and pull, pull him and shoot him. <sighs> but you know that if if that were either of us, yeah, no one's doing that to us. I go home and go to bed and maybe yeah. get a call, come down the station in the morning. Right. You know, it would be a totally different scenario. And so I think that's my response when people get upset about the violence is, well, but you have to think about what triggered the yeah. violence. And the other thing that jumps out about why protest is because, I mean, yeah. we're on 60 years of this, yes. right? Like civil rights was the 1960s. Yep. We have tried, I, I shouldn't say we, I wasn't there, right. but like, the, the peaceful right. boycotts and the letter writing and the marches. How far did we, we moved the needle. Right. It's improved since the 60s, but, but where are we now? So you can only sit back and say, hey, stop doing that. Hey, stop doing that. Hey, stop doing that for so long. How yes. long do we expect people to sit quietly and just like ask nicely for honestly, yeah. just fair, kind treatment? Exactly. You know, one other thing that... Um, this conversation is making me remember in the book was um, just the differences again, between the white and the black communities. Like when he, when the dad is telling star, if you guys get pulled over, you make sure you look the officer in the eye, you put your 
hands up on the dashboard, no sudden movement. I mean, right. have your parents ever had to have that sort no, of No, I have never, never, ever had to think about I've that. Never, I've only been pulled over a couple of times in my life, and never one time did I think, like, I need to be very, you know, hi, officer. Mm-hmm. I need to put my hands where they can see them. I need to not do this. I need to not do that. I think that in itself says a lot about, like, yes, the needle has moved, but like just a smidge because why in the world right should you have to but then I also you know so now when I when I hear on the news about you know another police shooting right. or this or that and I think like oh that poor person probably forgot to put their hands on the dashboard mm. or you know what I mean and it's like why do you have to go through all these jump through all these hoops to remain safe right. when the rest of us do not have to do that um after the George Floyd incident um, or George Floyd's murder. Let's uh, be honest. Right. Um, I saw an episode of last week tonight, which I love from John Oliver. And there was this video of this African-American woman who was like, she was so, so like passionate and her, she did a whole like speech. It seemed about like, how can we win? Mm-hmm. And I've looked her up a handful of times. And every time I'm like, ah, she's so right. If you can find it, her name is Kimberly Jones. And she outlines like why this is like a game of Monopoly and the game is fixed. We can't win. What if we told you these are the rules? You have to do the work, but you're not allowed to make any gains from the work. And then we change the rules and like, well, now now you can participate. Well, guess what? You're 400 years behind. Right. We're never going to win. We can't make this up. And it was so interesting to listen to and watch Mm -hmm. just kind of how she pulled so many things together. We need to look up one of her books. We'll have to read one. Yeah, that would be a good one. I'll I'll look her up for sure. You know, and thinking too, like about all the protesting last year, especially, um, there was one pivotal thing that kind of stood out to me too. And it was when the police kind of started marching alongside with, mm-hmm. the, with the protesters. And, you know, my mom and I were talking and we were like, that is all everyone wants is to be heard. And by them yeah. joining in with them, it was kind of like, we're, we hear you. Yeah. We are, we want to work with you. Now, of course we have those bad apples, but that's an industry that you cannot have a bad apple that spoils the bunch right. because that's an industry that I, I want to know is going to protect and serve everyone right but i remember just the videos and the pictures of of Mm -hmm. and it was just it really brought tears to my eyes because it was so beautiful everyone Mm -hmm. is kind of working together yeah yeah for sure thanks for joining us for our book chat if you enjoyed this episode be sure to find us on social media and recommend us to your friends We hope you'll continue to join us in the journey to change the world by starting small.